Welcome to Two Pizza Marketing, a podcast for small team marketers. You might have heard of the two pizza rule, which says the most agile, effective teams are ones small enough to only need two pizzas for a team meeting. On this podcast, every episode will be a candid, relatable conversation with a small team marketer, someone who is creating success on a scrappy level, learning from failures, and trying to stay sane. Whether you're on a team of one or eight, or you're wanting to join a small marketing team, this show is for you. Hi, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm excited because I have Brianna Doe with me, and I'm going to be fangirling this whole episode. (laughs) But she is the Senior Demand Generation Manager at Inventables. She's a job support member at Rev Genius. She's the founder of Soul Food. She's a LinkedIn creator, and she just created a newsletter called Career Mode, where she discusses career advice and so many other things. First of all, how do you even find the time, Brianna? This is amazing that you're doing all of this great stuff and learning how to balance it all. So I guess that's my first question, alongside you giving an introduction to our listeners on who you are and what you're doing online. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. Where I find the time, you know, I was thinking about this and I think because I've always worked in very fast-paced startups, I'm used to fitting a lot of work (laughs) into a short amount of time because I have to move on quickly. So that must be how I, I must apply that to what I do now. And I love what I do. That helps. Like I like that I'm able to combine marketing and my side hustle and career stuff. So it's all in all, it's a good time. But yes, I'm Brianna Doe. I'm the Senior Demand Generation Manager at Inventables, which is a CNC company based in Chicago. Basically, if you want to make signs, boards, cabinets, really anything, we sell the machinery that you can use to design and build that. So it's a lot of fun. And I lead our content marketing as well. Oh my gosh. Well, I already told Brianna this, but I'm going to be fangirling throughout this entire (laughs) episode. I already had to fight Melissa on interviewing you. So I'm excited for this conversation. So honored. Yeah. Well, the reason I want to start off fangirling is because of your content that you're creating on LinkedIn. So for our listeners that don't know, Brianna got started, I think this year, right? Was it Mm -hmm. like in January? It was in March, March of this year. Oh my gosh. Okay. So March of this year, she started posting on LinkedIn all about her career journey. And what I think is so special about the content that she's producing is that she talks about those real experiences with disrespectful interviewers. And so why don't you tell me and listeners about why you decided to discuss this on LinkedIn? It's a good question. So when I first entered the workforce or started my career, I didn't have a mentor. I had friends who were supportive and all of that, but I didn't have anybody to really guide me as I tried to build a career. And there's so much that looking back, I wish I'd known, you know, everybody's experience is their own and you learn from everything, but there were a lot of hiccups. Like they were very colorful experiences and it's easy to feel like you're the only one going through something or you're the only only one who doesn't know how to like write a perfect resume or like nail that interview for the job you really want. And even on LinkedIn, I saw a bit of a gap with content to help you navigate the less than ideal experiences. And I never want to come across as 
you know, like naming and shaming. So I don't name companies and I do talk about positive experiences too, but I want to be real and provide support for people that are really just trying to build a career for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so powerful and helpful for those that might feel isolated that are experiencing these similar things. So maybe for those that are experiencing similar hurdles that you faced, what would you say to them right now? I would say if you feel alone, do your best to find, do your, don't basically do the opposite of what I did. Do your best to find a mentor or to find actual support to help with your career. You don't have to pay somebody. You don't have to find a career coach or anything like that, but find somebody who is maybe two steps ahead of you, even one step ahead of you and can teach you what they've learned and be there to support you along the way. You know, there are so many free resources out there, written and video, but actually being able to speak to somebody who can, you know, actively help you navigate your career is really, really helpful. And you don't have to be alone. There's plenty of help out there. Yes, that's great advice. So going back to LinkedIn, you grew, like, what was it? You said March. You grew so much, (laughs) like (laughs) over 30,000 followers at this point. What would your tips be to other creators that are trying to grow their audience right now on LinkedIn? I would say write often. You don't have to post everything you write, but get into the habit of learning to take a thought in your head, dissect it and distill down to the most important part that you want to share and also engage with other people. I feel like that advice is really overused, but it's so true. Like engage with the people in their comment sections, start DM conversations. It'll help you also learn more about what it is that you want to talk about. You'll see what you engage with and it'll help you find you know, an audience that's interested. I have a content diary Google Doc that I go in and I have to write because I just sometimes need to get my thoughts out there just because I'm in that like that flow state or something. And so I don't always post, but to your point, I do just like to write and get it out there. And I'm sure that has helped my writing over the years. Definitely. I have the same thing in Notion. Oh, very nice. (laughs) So I want to ask more about your newsletter, Career Mode, and what you're trying to do there. Career mode, I recently started it. And so it's a newsletter all about tips to help you navigate the job search. Or if you're in a job that you like, help you advance in your career, build confidence, and learn, you know, to embrace your skill set and your unique gifts. And the cool thing about LinkedIn is that I've been able to dive into writing right in front of an audience. But the great thing about a newsletter is that I can get more detailed. I can be more long-winded, more longer form content. And it's also an opportunity to engage with people who are asking me questions. I get a lot of requests for advice and help in my DMs and I can't, I'm doing a lot, as you said, so I can't respond to everybody. So with career mode, people can submit questions and I answer one in each newsletter. And it's a great way to make sure I'm actually being helpful. Yeah. I love that you're doing this. And I feel like this is trending as well with newsletters like Devin Reed's newsletter. I find so helpful and Justin Welsh. And then your newsletter as well. Coming from people, I've noticed like creators creating their own newsletter versus brands creating their own newsletter. I think subscribing to as many as those that uh, align with what you're looking for and what advice you need is super impactful and can help your career. So I really enjoy them. I've noticed, so I have a separate email address for these newsletters now. And I similar thing. I subscribe to so many because I get so much more value from those than just the bigger brands. 
No, it's awesome. Yeah. So listeners, if you're not subscribed to career mode, I highly recommend subscribing. Thank you. All right. Well, let's go ahead and switch gears. I always love to ask questions about your own career journey. So thank you for sharing all of that. Let's switch gears now to small marketing teams because you're leading a small team. You said around four employees, right? Yes. There's my manager, the director of growth marketing, and then myself, our project manager and our community manager. Okay. Very nice. Let's go ahead and because our podcast is centered around discussing small marketing team challenges, I wanted you to tell me a little bit about a time when you found yourself in a mess because you're on a small team and how you got out of that and what successes came from it. So we're actually, there's a very relevant example right now. So we're preparing for a launch in only 11 days and the mess we found ourselves in is we tend to forget we're a small team. We're like a chihuahua that thinks it's a Rottweiler or something. And so we, <laughs> I want us to do everything. You know, it's, I'm relatively new to the company. So it's my first launch with the team. And we took on way too much and found ourselves just bogged down by the amount of deliverables that we were <laughs> going to produce in a very short amount of time. And the problem with that is after a certain point, it's hard to take a step back and see what you can eliminate, what you can keep doing. And then it's just stressful for everybody. So we did take that step back though. And one thing we hadn't done at the beginning that we do in every other situation is prioritize by lift, lift or effort um, and impact. So is this deliverable going to have a low impact, high impact, and then, you know, balance that with how much work it will take. And that's what helps us, you know, prioritize and stay on track and be more cutthroat with what we do and what we don't do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I think as like small team marketers, when it's your first time initiating a project, it can be hard to create that timeline, especially when there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Exactly. And then you, and we're marketers, right? Like we want to do everything. We want it to be perfect, but there are four of us and then, you know, um, freelancers, we can't, <laughs> we just can't pull it all off. So that's okay. We have to prioritize. My manager, my current manager gave me the advice of when you're managing a project to add 20% of time onto everything that after you create your timeline. So say something's due Thursday, she said, then you should be having that due Tuesday instead of Thursday for that. That is a really good idea. And just from a content standpoint, since I'm our content marketing manager, I have so many cooks in the kitchen for reviewing and editing and making subject matter expert changes. And so with that, having everything done 20% ahead of schedule, it's been so helpful. So I would recommend yeah. that to anyone that's managing a project right now. And I, I don't know. If I that. That. <laughs> no, that makes, that makes perfect sense. That's a really good idea. Rarely do things go off without a hitch, especially if it's the first time you're launching something like that. So mm-hmm. you have to implement that. Yeah. It's been helpful. All right. Well, so another question I want to ask you about, since you have a team, you're leading a team right now. I shared with you how I normally try to speak to the younger generation of marketers. So those entry to mid-level marketers and want to be marketers as a hiring manager, what skills do you think you look for in a marketer that maybe doesn't have the years of experiences that you're looking for, but has the right attitude. 
So the skills I look for are flexibility and agility. Um, especially in a startup environment, you can't be married or attached to an idea. You have to be willing to experiment, figure out what works, and you know, build off of that. I also look for communication skills, even with small teams, maybe more with small teams, things can get lost in communication. You know each other so well that maybe you assume they know something that they don't. Um, and being able to, like your default needs to be over communication. And that's a very important skill. To a certain extent that could be taught. So even the willingness to learn how to communicate more thoroughly, is something I look for. And I would say I look for creativity, not specifically, you know, from hiring for design role, that's one thing, but just general creativity, right? So the ability to think outside the box, to redefine what the box even is, um, to bring in that fresh perspective, especially with entry-level marketers, that's the main thing I look for. And we want fresh, diverse perspectives. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a thought there and I just lost it again. I told you, 4.30 on a Friday, <laughs> my train of thought. Communication, that was it. So- I remember it's almost been two years now since I tapped into tech. I'd like to say I worked previously in B2C at an orthopedic hospital on a small marketing team leading PR efforts. And I remember like my first week getting into tech and early stage startup, how different communication is like mm. there's email, there's Slack, there's they even text you like you just aren't prepared necessarily for the different levels of communication. And so maybe we can discuss that on when do you email and when do you slack? I'm just so curious. <laughs> that's a good question. So one thing that's great about the company I work for now is that HR actually dictated that for us. So it cleared up a lot of the, um, you know, because different departments could have different ideas mm -hmm. for communication. But even if they hadn't set this up, this is how I've done it in my other at my other companies. Slack. So I don't believe in texting. Yeah. But to me, that's more of a boundary. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, texting, personal calls, maybe if it's been pre-approved. Slack communication, in my opinion, should be reserved for when you need a response within the business day. Primarily between like maybe two to five or two to four hours. Email is when you need feedback, approval, and need a response within maybe two business days, generally speaking. Yes. What do you think? I like that. I agree. So for Slack and I and I think as marketers, it's very similar. Like I'm the same way with like within the day, if I Slack you, I'm looking for an answer. And it's because it's usually a response I need for a bigger project. And so it kind of right. derails the project if I don't get that response. And so I've been trying to get better at with some people, you have to learn their communication too in different departments. That's why I brought up marketing. Different departments have a different mindset on communication and responding right away. And that's totally fine. I'm not saying that's wrong. Um, but you have to, as a marketer, learn about how other internal teams function just so then you, especially when it's a small team overall, um, then that can help prioritize how you divvy out tasks and when you reach out to someone for a task. So I think to get back to your question, I think the day of, if you're slacking, 
for my own team. I usually hope I can get a response within the hour, but I totally understand things come up and that's not going to be realistic for everyone. That makes perfect sense. Question for you. Do you use a project management tool? Yes, we use Asana. Okay, same here. So do you have any rules about around communication in there versus Slack? Uh, we don't. We I had one team member who did not like Asana, but now is obsessed with Asana. So it took some time <laughs> for him to get used to it. We don't have many rules around it because we try to foster a very autonomous type of environment. Okay. But for project management purposes, we really made an effort last quarter to make sure everybody put tasks and projects in there. Just because with like unexpected PTO, it's just helpful to have an understanding of when things are due, just so you can see that. And um, with that unexpected PTO, get those tasks completed. That makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. All right. So will you tell me another time that you have faced a mess as a small team marketer? So another example of a mess is back when I was, there was a time when I was a one-man show. I was running the marketing team for a company I worked for. And I was responsible for quite a few areas, but one of the main areas was influencer marketing. And so I built out this influencer marketing campaign. I had high hopes for it. I had, um, I just had great ideas for it. And I was really excited to see how it played out. And my expectation was that it was going to drive significant amount of revenue because of the influencers that we brought on board. Quickly realized that wasn't going to be the case because the influencers I brought on board were not in line with our actual target audience. It was who I assumed was in line. Mm -hmm. And the thing about that sort of mess is, you know, especially with influencer marketing, you have to, you need a lot of buy-in from the leadership team because you don't always see immediate return and you don't, you never want to do something that will make the exact team lose faith in marketing as a whole. And so we just do a lot of pivoting. I had to double back, look into brand awareness options instead, redo the marketing campaign. And eventually it did pay off. But I do remember that as a, as a pivotal point for me and a lesson. And at this point, I never, I never really make a move without customer research behind it first. Oh yeah, that is so good. Market yeah. research up front. I forget what brand did that, where they partnered with a celebrity and it wasn't their brand ended up just not being aligned with their values as a company. I forget what it is. So oh, I'll have to think about it. But I but it made me think of that because it is like thinking about your core values and beliefs as a brand and making sure that the influencers that you partner with are in line with those those values. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know about you, but with marketing, I feel like when I first started out, I thought I knew everything. And that's basically when that happened. And then the more, <laughs> more I build my career, the less, less often I say things like, well, this is definitely going to work. Yes. Oh really my interesting. gosh. My boyfriend gives me that advice not to speak in absolutes because of those reasons <laughs> as you yeah. grow older and like become more wiser and I'm still very young in my career but I really try not to have definitive like this is how we're going to do it or this is mm -hmm. the right way of doing doing marketing exactly gotta stay agile all right let's go right back to career advice since that is the premise I feel like of all my conversations <laughs> <laughs> it's important um, to talk about so yes yeah 
For you, have you received a piece of advice? Because you mentioned how you had, you didn't have mentors, but then found mentors later on. Did you ever have a piece of advice that really stuck out to you that you would want to pass on to someone else? Yes, this one actually changed the way I viewed work and my career, but you, I was told you don't have to love every job you take which to some people might be common sense. To me, I was on this constant mission to find my dream job, which is very overwhelming mm-hmm. <laughs> and unrealistic to an extent. Um, so you don't have to love every job you take, but every job should teach you something. And if it's not teaching you something, you need to figure out why that is or find a job that will, especially when you're entry to mid-level. Mm-hmm. So that really you know, shifted my mindset with the jobs that I was interested in, the jobs I pursued. I love that. Yeah, it was really Uh, helpful. I got a similar piece of advice. I think it was actually from my friends, not even my mentor, but she said, it's okay to be sad about the right decision. So even Mm -hmm. if like you decide not to go with that company at that point in your life, it's okay. And it might be the right decision for you. It's okay to be sad about it. Like, I think oftentimes, like we always have to be so happy about these things and like flip that. If you flip that piece of advice, but I think that just being okay with making those decisions and being sad about it is okay. That's a really good point. I remember I left, um, when I left a previous job, I was really sad about it. And for a while, as I was considering it, I thought that meant that I shouldn't leave. And even after I left, I still kind of wondered like if I made the right decision and started a new job, wasn't sure if I made the right decision, but it is okay to be sad. It doesn't mean that it's not the best thing for you. And that can be uncomfortable to realize but really important yes very true all righty well is there anything else that you want to discuss that's aligned with some of the things that we talked about one thing I would like to say is you know for anybody who's trying to build a career or even figure out what it is that they're interested in I know I mentioned you know a good piece of advice that I got was you don't have to love every job you take, but taking that a step further, make sure you're analyzing what it is that you're learning. You know, like what kind of, what kind of work environment do you thrive in? What kind of management style works well for you? What parts of marketing do you love and which parts could you leave behind and, you know, not really miss? I think it's really important to take those experiences and use them as a foundation as you, you know, advance in your career. Yes. I think documenting your performance on a monthly basis. I mean, that's taking it another step. And I know that yeah. that's not for everyone, but it's something that I do where I just document five things that I accomplished that month and having that document because you forget, especially as yes. small team marketers at early stage startups, you're moving so quickly that you oftentimes forget all of the things that you've accomplished. I have an Excel doc. I can share that with anyone that might be interested, but just documenting that and having it to just glance over on a monthly cadence and then in December to see all the hard work that you accomplished, I think it's so impactful just for your own self-esteem. But when you decide, and if you decide to leave your current company, if you outgrow your position, having that there can help you create your resume or update your resume so quickly. Exactly. And if you decide to stay, you bring those accomplishments to your review. Yes. <laughs> So you get the salary you deserve and the salary increase you deserve. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of tracking your accomplishments. 
Yeah. And I shared this with you before we started recording, but a piece of advice that I've received that I disagree with is that you need to have a five to 10 year plan. Uh, for me, I just always thought that that put un- unnecessary pressure on those young professionals to have their life figured out. And so instead, I think that you need a blueprint and this Excel doc that I'm talking about, I think can be super helpful. Yeah. I love the idea of a blueprint. A five and 10 year plan. I remember I used to get asked about that in interviews, not so much lately, but it always felt like such a constricting question. Yeah. I was really honest. I just said, I, I don't know. Yeah, I <laughs> kind know. of figure out what I want to do because right. it's just not realistic most of the time. I was asked that too in interviews and I always felt embarrassed because I didn't know. And the reason that I feel like you don't need to know is because if you have this, this structured five to 10 year plan and these new opportunities rise up, you might say no, or not even consider those opportunities. If it's not aligned with your five to 10 year plan, when it might've been something that could help you get there or maybe deter you from the path that you thought you're supposed to be on. I just think being a little bit more open-minded at a young age can be helpful for those reasons. That is so true. And I saw a tweet the other day, there was a whole basis to it, but what stuck out was he said at the end, your dream or your job, your future job might not have been created yet. And if you're sticking to this five or 10 year plan, you're not giving yourself the freedom to even think past that right? Like you can love one part of your job and build on that and make a whole new job out of it. Yeah. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, lady, this has been so fun. I forgot to even mention that we're both from Indiana, but yeah, (laughs) but we didn't like somehow we came to that fruition this when we were slacking the other day. And so that is just another Another thing I want to fangirl over because I want to have so many things in line with what you have. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Remind me, which part of Indiana? So I'm from Westfield, Indiana, but my boyfriend went to Carmel. That was it. Yes. Because I'm also from Carmel. All right. Well, Brianna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've enjoyed this conversation so much and I'm going to continue to fangirl all over your content (laughs) on LinkedIn, but why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners how they can find you? Definitely. Well, thank you for having me on. I had a blast and you can find me on LinkedIn at Brianna Doe. From there, you go to my featured section, you can check out my newsletter. Feel free to subscribe or, you know, send me a message if you want to chat. All righty. Well, thank you listeners. Next week, you will have Melissa on the podcast. Have a wonderful day. Hey, Two Pizza Marketer. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or topics to suggest, we are always happy to hear from you. So send us an email at two, that's the number two, pizzamarketers at gmail.com or find us on Linktree at Two Pizza Marketing. Until next time, keep having fun and try to stay sane in the marvelous mess that is Two Pizza Marketing.